Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm sharing part two of my most recent Q&A episode. Part one was all about training, whereas in part two, I'm going to cover all of the nutrition-related questions. So let's get straight into them. Now, the next questions I have are all nutrition-related. And the first one says, should you track your food, cooked or raw? And I'm assuming that uh, what this person means is um, tracking on a food tracking app like MyFitnessPal. Now, the reason why this might matter is that the cooking process changes the weight of certain food. For example, in general, chicken breast loses moisture when it's being grilled, for instance. So it literally oozes water which means that a cooked chicken breast is going to weigh a little bit less than an uncooked chicken breast. Vice versa, pasta absorbs water during cooking. So a bowl of cooked pasta is um, going to weigh differently than a bowl of uncooked pasta, even though the portion looks about the same size. And on um, labels, on nutritional labels, the calories and the macros for a food are normally reported based on the raw food. Sometimes the label will state calories per portion of, let's say, 40 grams cooked. So if it's not based on the raw food, the label will tell you that it's based on a cooked portion. So if it if it doesn't if the label doesn't specify, it means that they are using the raw weight. Now my advice is if you want to be very accurate and consistent with the label, I would use the raw weight when the label doesn't specify anything because it means that the nutritional facts are based on raw weight. On the other hand, if the label refers to cooked weight, then you could use the cooked weight instead. What's most important in my view, however, is to keep it consistent. If you've always weighed your chicken breast after grilling it or after baking it, then find an entry on my fitness pal that says grilled chicken breast and use that all of the time and continue weighing your chicken breast after cooking it. If you've always weighed your chicken breast raw, then you can use the nutritional label on your pack of chicken breast or you can look it up again on my fitness pal and uh, you can look up chicken breast co-fed, C-O-F-I-D, to find the nutritional facts for 
chicken breast in the UK based on the National Nutrient Database, which is known as COFID. If you're in the US, you can look up chicken breast USDA to find out the nutrition facts based on the uh, National Food Database. And if you are in the, the in Australia, if I'm not wrong, then you want to look up chicken breast, not tub, N-U-T-T-A-B. And then you will always log your chicken breast using the raw weight and referring to this uh, raw entry. In short, be consistent with the label and be consistent with the entry that you're using. And that's all you really need to worry about. The next question says, should I go over my calories to hit my protein target in a fat loss phase? My answer is no. If you are in a fat loss phase, your main priority is fat loss. And the main driver of fat loss is your caloric intake, not your protein intake. While protein is very, very helpful to stay more satiated during a fat loss phase, and it's obviously paramount to build and maintain muscle mass, a single day or a couple of days here and there where your protein isn't optimal are not really going to have an effect on your muscle mass and potentially not even on your hunger levels. On the other hand, if you are going over your calorie target for the sake of your protein target, you are slowing down fat loss. If it's only a day or two, it will be a marginal decrease in the speed of fat loss, but it's still going to happen. And it's, in my opinion, unnecessary. If your top priority is to lose body fat, then your top priority nutrition-wise needs to be your caloric intake. If you're consistently undershooting your protein targets, then consider, what can I do better to hit this freaking protein target? I recommend that you definitely plan your food into your calorie tracking app before you eat it. And I've discussed this in uh, a different podcast and in several articles and Instagram posts as well. When you're creating your log ahead of time, whether that's for the entire day or um, for each meal right before you eat the meal, as long as there is some preparation, that's what I would highly recommend. Then first log your protein to make sure that you hit your protein target for that meal and therefore you contribute to your total protein for the day. Once you've hit your protein, then you can add your fats and your carbohydrates in the quantities that respect your calorie budget for that meal and for that day as a whole. So pre-planning your protein first is going to be really useful. Other practical tips would be to double the amount of protein that you already have in your current meals and include at least a source of protein that gives you about 20 grams of protein minimum in any meals and snacks where you're currently not having any protein at all. So if you're having 20 grams of protein, so you're having a chicken breast with your lunch, have two chicken breasts. And if in mid-afternoon you're having a cereal bar or a piece of fruit, add a Greek yogurt to it. And that's how you can bring up your protein intake over time. And in order to stick within your calorie targets, make sure that you log it first. So then you know how many calories you've got left to fill up with carbs and dietary fat. 
And finally, the last nutrition-related question with which I'm going to end this Q&A episode is the following. Tips on how to eat all of your calories in a gaining phase. Ah, I love questions about gaining phases. I'm very, very interested in questions about fat loss as well, but there aren't as many questions coming in about gaining, um, so those are always fun. So, first of all, I feel your pain. In a caloric surplus, it can be difficult to eat all of your calories, especially if you are somebody who needs to eat a lot of calories to be able to gain weight at a reasonable pace in your gaining phase. Having said that, these are my practical suggestions. The first suggestion is to be very consistent and very strict with your meal structure for the day. Normally, I recommend three to six protein-containing meals per day. And when I say meals, I also include snacks. I discussed this at length in episode 48, a comprehensive guide to meal planning and prepping, so you can refer to that. However, in a gaining phase, potentially having more frequent meals could be more helpful. So maybe going rather than three meals, going up to four, five, even six spaced out by about three to five hours so you give yourself time to digest them make sure that you do not miss meals or snacks because otherwise those calories are going to accumulate towards the end of the day and uh, if you end up eating all of those calories at night potentially you could compromise your sleep which is extremely important for muscle gain and for fat loss as well or you might simply give up because it's too much food and you simply cannot stomach it. So either way, you don't want to miss meals or snacks. You want to be religious with your meal structure that you set for yourself. My second piece of advice is to take advantage of the times of day when you feel you're hungriest. That's when you want to have the majority of your calories. For example, if working out makes you hungry, have a larger meal than for the rest of the day right after your workout. Include protein plus carbohydrates and a relatively low amount of dietary fat and fiber if you're eating in the first one to two hours after training because this is also the time when your muscle cells or muscle fibers are the most sensitive to the uptake of protein and glucose. So you want protein and glucose to get to those muscle cells as quickly as possible, meaning you want to digest as quickly as possible. And dietary fat and fiber are going to slow down digestion. So potentially keeping these a little bit lower in the one to three hours after training could help get those protein and glucose to your muscle cells faster. And again, you want to ensure that that is one of the biggest meals that you have in the day. Another suggestion is to include an intra-workout drink. Usually this will be purely carbohydrates. This will help bring up your caloric intake. And if you choose an easily digestible form of carbohydrate like maltodextrin, then you are also not going to feel excessively full or sluggish. It will feel like drinking flavored water. And since uh, these are carbohydrates, which are the main fuel for resistance training, it could potentially have um, an advantage in terms of boosting your performance. That could be a 
real physiological advantage depending on how much what what your carbohydrate stores look like at the beginning of the workout if you are in a surplus it's unlikely that you'll start a workout um, with your glycogen stores or carbohydrate stores depleted glycogen is simply the form of um, that carbohydrates take when we store them within our body so if you are in a caloric surplus it's unlikely that your glycogen stores will be depleted could happen eh, i would um, doubt it unless you're training fasted and even then it's not like overnight we completely deplete our glycogen stores especially in a caloric surplus anyway the point being the physiological advantage may be there or may not be there because if your glycogen stores are topped up you don't need more glycogen but it, there could be a psychological advantage to where you're drinking this uh, intra-workout drink you know that it contains carbs it's going to fuel performance it tastes really good and uh, it's therefore nice to have and it enhances your performance purely from a psychological perspective which isn't a bad thing in the end however it does it if your performance goes up we're all happy about it aren't we in general even outside of your workouts relying on liquid calories or foods with a more liquid-like or creamier texture can be really helpful because if you think about it these foods are the easiest to overeat on and the also among the easiest to digest because when we digest any food we turn it into mush so if the food is already mush it's usually a little bit easier on your digestive system so it's unlikely to make you feel too full that you cannot eat all of your calories. You also want to rely on more calorie-dense sources, such as higher-calorie vegetables like parsnips and squash instead of lettuce, to where you can eat 70 calories in just by eating 100 grams of parsnip, whereas you would need something like five to 700 grams of lettuce to get 70 calories and that is a massive amount of lettuce you ain't gonna be able to do that you can also choose higher calorie fruit like banana or persimmon instead of strawberries you can replace um, potatoes with bread bagels pasta and rice and you can uh, eat the full fat version of salmon yogurt and milk instead of the lower or fat free versions and dietary fats like olive oil nuts and nut butters are your friends to a point you don't want to um, go over your dietary fat target that goes without saying but it's always better to spell these things out if you are really struggling, you can also apply different behaviors. So normally when somebody is in a fat loss phase and they want to feel more satiated, I would recommend to eat more slowly and more mindfully because that can really help prolong the eating experience and therefore give your body enough time to perceive the feeling of satiety. But if you are struggling to eat, then potentially you don't want to eat all of your meals mindfully and you might want to eat them faster as well so that you can finish them. Another suggestion is mainly a reminder, in a gaining phase, you have more calories, meaning you have a larger budget to fit your most important health-promoting nutrition targets. Basically, it's easier 
to cover your protein, your fiber, and your dietary fat needs, and your vitamin and mineral needs in a gaining phase than in any other nutritional phase, because in a gaining phase, you have more calories. So for this reason, this also leaves you with more calories for highly palatable and less nutritious foods like pizza, ice cream, and the likes. I'm not suggesting that you eat the majority of your calories in the form of these foods, but I am suggesting that the the more health-promoting foods also tend to be less calorie dense and uh, less and, and more satiating. So there's only so much health promoting food that you can eat in a gaining phase before you feel stuffed. And I would argue that you don't need to eat 100% health promoting food in a gaining phase because your calorie budget is so large. So you can definitely If you need a little help, if you've eaten as many calories as you can in the form of health-promoting food, and you need a little extra help to get to your calorie target for the day, it is potentially necessary to include these highly palatable foods within your diet, provided that, once again, you have already covered your nutritional basis and there is no more health-promoting food that you can eat without throwing it back up to put it in very um, plain terms. So to wrap up, many, if not basically all of the behaviors I've suggested are probably going to feel weird and even counterintuitive because most people pursue fat loss for which the opposite recommendations are advised. I think the only recommendation that's in common between the two is sticking to a um, disciplined and uh, regular meal and and snack structure, which is the first uh, suggestion that I gave. Everything else that I've said is basically fat loss advice turned upside down, which makes sense if you think about it, because uh, if you are in a caloric surplus, you're trying to do the opposite of what you're trying to do in a caloric deficit. So I appreciate that there might be some cognitive dissonance going on, However, bear in mind that if your goal is not fat loss, then you do not need to adopt fat loss behaviors. And with that, I would say I've answered three training-related questions, three nutrition-related questions, so we've got a pretty even split. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. Thank you to my clients who inspired some of these questions as well. And as always, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. Finally, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're thinking, hmm, this Nick doesn't seem half bad as a coach, then you are in luck, my dear listener, because I am currently taking on online coaching clients. So you can use the links in the show notes to read more about the service and apply. You can reach out to me on Instagram at nikias underscore fit to transform or you can email me at fit2transform at gmail.com. Choose any of these channels and I'll help you get the ball rolling to become one of my clients. And with that, thank you very much for listening and until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast, and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.